can make it through a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today, it's our podcast birthday. Woo! <laughs> We're two Hi. years old. We are two years old. <laughs> we are in the terrible twos, as they say. Yeah. Um, It's kind of wild. Um, I mean, we have a plan for today, which is that we are going to um, interview each other. Um, because I think it's kind of interesting. I know sometimes we, we tend to kind of talk about our relationship with the show and developments and things like that. And I think that's good, but we're also in the process of, uh, wrapping up season five. We're going to be doing a season introspection soon. So, um, we were kind of brainstorming different ways that we can observe this occasion, change up the format a little bit. And it seemed like that was the best idea. Um, but before we get too far into that step, Frank, do you have any, like, thoughts or feelings coming up as we're getting to this anniversary um, that you would like to put out into the open? Um, I mean, you know, like, I, I had been podcasting for a year when we started this. Um, not to, to humble brag. Um, <laughs> I've been podcasting for a year when we started this. Um, so it's just like... You know, like, this is kind of old, not old hat for me, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I've fallen into a routine, and it's, like, a happy routine of, like, work that I actually enjoy doing, like, each week. So, like, as a, po you know, like, I have a normal nine-to-five job, and it's okay, but, you know, this is the work I actually enjoy doing, like, this and Teen Girl Talk. Like, you know, the dream is to turn, like, something creative into my full-time job. And, you know, whatever it is, is whatever it is. But I'm just happy that this is part of my, like, my weekly thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm also happy that you and I are closer friends. Like, because, like, we were, you know, like, we were cordial before all this started. Like, we were acquaintances, I would, I would call us. Like, you know, I saw you at cons and then with everybody else and then mm -hmm. this became a thing and it became like now our lives are like very intermeshed and I much prefer that to the, the, the former. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the former. Because like, like you've become one of my closest friends and it's just like my life is all the better for it. Yeah, and I definitely echo that sentiment where, um, it, you know, part of this was kind of a fun I don't want to say social experiment. I feel like that has like a really negative connotation in the world, but like in many ways it was kind of an experiment, right? You're, you're subjecting somebody to a show that was your whole entire life as a teenager and you're going to see how they react to it. Um, and, and you know, that's fun and that's novel and it has its own thing. But I think the, the true plot that uh, really happened with this show is definitely that this relationship that has really blossomed because of the show and like, I mean, when when we are able to record in person, um, it's not uncommon sometimes some stretches of time for I mean, always, honestly, it's not even stretches of time. Like I see Frank probably the most outside of my coworkers. Like that's just the way it is. And it's not a bad thing at all. But it's it's really interesting when you look at it in in that way, the fact that it's it's this relationship, it's a creative relationship, but it's also a friendship that's been able to be this constant in my life that, you know, has always meant a lot to me. But as you might have gleamed from the show, I've had quite a bit of upheaval in the past year or so. And the fact that 
no matter what went down, I knew that I would be seeing Frank or nowadays I would be recording with Frank and that I would be doing, you know, spending some time with him and he would, you know, have Dahlia jump on him nonstop and things like that. It's, (laughs) it's these, it's these nice little, little things that really help you get through, uh, you know, tough times. Um, and, and it's, it's just really nice to have a routine like this where, no matter what I'm spending time with my friend. And I think that, you know, podcasting is cool. Creation is cool. You know, I will always support the the idea of that, you know, you can kind of just be a person and just so happen to have a mic and be able to be a voice that is worth listening to. Um, but I feel like the fact that in so many ways, the show is a timeline of how our friendship deepened and became a true friendship is something that I'll probably always be really proud of. Yeah. Like, I, I sometimes think back to our first recording sessions. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, you can tell both of us are just kind of awkward and, like, not sure of, like, where each other's at. And now we're just, I'm just like, I know where Donnie's at. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got this. Right, exactly. Like, there's there's an ease with it. There's a comfort in it. And... And I think that that's something that's incredibly special and and not something that, um, you know, you experience with every single person. I, I think that it, it, this was kind of the way for us to, to come together, but we wouldn't have stayed together in this project if we didn't, you know, have that ability to click. And I'm really grateful that the show has been able to allow that for me. And I also want to shout out a lot of folks that we've been able to have on the show or have been supportive of the show. There's so many people that we've been able to befriend that we've been able to get close to. I mean, like there are people on the show that I consider very good friends that I wouldn't have really gotten to know if it wasn't for the show, whether it was they had mutual, they were mutual friends with a guest, whether it was that they just so happened to find the show and wanted to contribute. Um, And that's also really amazing too. Like, you know, we're, we're not like, you know, we're not doughboys. We're not like whatever the fuck biggest podcast. And I don't need to be because I've been able to make some really, really good close relationships. And that means the world to me. Yeah. I'd ra- like, yeah, I, I'd rather be doing this than like having other kinds of expectations on me, you know? Right. Right, I don't know how people do that after a while. Like, I'm, like it's bad enough, like, you know, going like, okay, we're downloading this. Like, people are downloading this that I don't know. Fuck. Like, I can't imagine, like, having, having, you know, just, I can't imagine having more intense pressure and things like that. Like, I'm glad that, you know, this has been able to maintain a sense of being humble and, <laughs> and grounded. <laughs> Um, thank God. Like, I just don't know if I would have been able to handle it otherwise. Yeah, I, I always joke that I don't want to be the, the person who's just like, like, I made, I hope I can make it through. Why is this even a discussion? God, can you imagine? I can't, God, better never get that way. I don't think we could. I think that <laughs> we are too, like, we are too neurotic. <laughs> maybe for that to ever happen 
I don't think there'll ever be a point where I won't be able to be described by the John Mulaney thing, where it's like, like you could pour hot soup on my lap, and I'll probably apologize to you. Yep. Oh, God. I definitely am that person, too, though. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Do you want to get into them questions? Yeah, sure. Um, So we have two well, we have two, three, three sections of this. We have questions that I have for you, questions you have for me. And then finally, we have listener questions. <laughs> yeah. So we got, we got a couple things. So um, I didn't think through who would ask who first. So I don't know if you want to like flip a coin or something like that. Well, why don't we do listener questions first? Um, okay. And then we'll go back and forth. You and me asking each other questions. Ah, that sounds good. All right, so we have some listener questions. Thank you very much, everybody who contributed them. Um, but let's take a look and see what they have. Um, so the first question that we have is from Twitter user Ashes8012. Um, and their question, and um, his question, because I know who this is, is who would win in a battle royale situation and why? Do they mean, like, a wrestling battle royale situation or, like, the book battle royale? I'm going to say wrestling situations, and I don't want to think about the book situation with you. Okay, well, you know what? I honestly think in both situations, Emma. <laughs> I think this might have... See, see, I think there's two There's two ways of, of reading this, this question from this person, who is definitely Elliot. Um, we could read it as... Like, you know, with Degrassi characters or between each other. Oh, then I'm sorry, Donnie. If it's a wrestling match between you and I, I'm going to take it because I am a lot bigger than you. <laughs> that is probably true. Um, I would probably agree with that. Unless there's some, like, subplot in which I hire someone to fight in my place that is bigger than you. And I think that would be the only way that I would win. Um, and then it would be, like, a bunch of these, like, plot lines in which I'm, like, trying to uh coerce someone like i would definitely just be the heel at this point i've assumed <laughs> this is in the battle royale situation um regarding degrassi characters i agree it's definitely emma um we have seen emma throw down a couple times um we have seen her have no regard toward like she doesn't give a shit it's alex she doesn't care she's just gonna go fucking hard um she's not afraid to 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 do like undermined things she's not afraid to you know fight someone who potentially is stronger than her she doesn't give a shit it's definitely emma i like that's the thing like i feel like if because i don't imagine them actually being i don't imagine a wrestler's au i just imagine you basically took like all the main characters of grassi and put them in a ring and it's just like see what happens and like yeah. Emma's gonna be the first, like, people are gonna, like, waffle, Marco's gonna waffle immediately, and he's like, I don't want to hurt anybody, and then, like, Emma's just gonna go for it. Absolutely. She's she's gonna end some grudges, and she's just gonna go into it. Yep. No, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think, I think that, you know, I think that Alex will put up a good fight, but I feel that Alex eventually will, like, you know, just be like, oh, fuck this. Um, and I think a couple characters are similar in the sense, cause like you could be like, well, Sean can, can throw a punch and Sean doesn't have the motivation to see this through. Like Emma is the only character that is truly spiteful enough to, to like stick through this whole entire process. I think there might've been characters who could beat her, but I feel as though 
they are not as tenacious as her. See, and my thing, if we're going current uh, Degrassi cast and current relationships, Alex has lost her edge because she has to watch out for Paige now. That's also true. That's also very, very true. Like, she would be, like, kind of looking over her shoulder a bit to make sure Paige is still in it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that, yeah, she would be a bit bit preoccupied during it. She's, Emma's going to use Manny as her tag team partner, then immediately betray Manny when it becomes easy. Oh, God, you're so right, though. I can see that <laughs> so distinctly, and that makes me so mad. <laughs> I'm writing this fic. <laughs> nah, this is definitely what happens. Like, but like, why not have Degrassi be a fucking uh, wrestling AU? Like, honestly, I feel like fandom really hasn't done enough wrestling AUs, and and I feel like this is really preposterous to me because so many people I know are also really into wrestling and also really into fandom. So I'm just putting this out there. I feel like this could be a really really interesting little world to kind of play out an AU. Like, I would read the fuck out of like a Fire Emblem Three Houses wrestling AU. That feels like a perfect mesh together I wanna, uh, of two media. I think I've said this before on this podcast and every other podcast I've been on. I want to be, I want to write for the WWE. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, the storylines back in the day were so fucking, I've, we've talked about this enough, but I just want to, like, remind everyone how fucking bizarre the storylines were in the WWE. Like, the British Bulldog sister's car got towed, and after months of storyline, it ended in a 16-man ladder match or some other nonsense. Yeah, it's just, like, a whole another world. Like, you really have to change how you how your brain works to write something like that, because it's just, like, the jumps that you have to do, the twists that you have to follow. It's wild. And I say this fondly, I should be clear. Yeah, no, like, I am all about old-school... Um old school plot like wwe plot lines i don't know what they're doing now but i'm all about that shit so all right uh what's the next listener question (laughs) next question is from got tired on twitter which is what would the characters be like in a fire emblem three houses au i'm gonna uh demure to you because i don't know enough about uh three houses Okay, so I feel as though um, Degrassi has a pretty easy way to turn into Three Houses AU in the sense that there is a clear um, socioeconomic situation happening in Degrassi where there are, where like there's just a lack of nuance in how it portrays class a lot of the time. So you have a pretty easy divide between who would be the nobles and the not nobles. Um, the commoners, that's the word. Um, so it's pretty easy to figure that out. In terms of house leaders, that is interesting. I feel like, um, that's a little harder because then you have to figure out like who, who would be like prince, princes, princess, things like that. Um, but I do feel like if, if we're playing, okay, let's play by three houses rules. So like who would be the most like Claude? Um, I feel like that's hard because I feel like Claude is so much better than a lot of Degrassi characters. <laughs> well, my thing, <laughs> my thing is like Claude seemed kind of like a down to earth kind of dude, what, like from what little I played of Three Houses. Mm-hmm. Um, would he be Marco, or would Marco be him? Oh. Not quite the best fit, 
But I am very, I feel like, I feel like I could be very charmed by Marco with, like, one hoop earring and, like, cute tousled dark hair and, like, you know, a little, little yellow capelet. I think that would be a very, very cute look. It would be better um, than some of his other hairstyles. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think he'd be of the best Claude, but I like the idea of him being a house leader, and I also feel like that complements his leadership interests, because he is somebody who has been student president, he is somebody who, um, you know, has been in, has an interest in helping people, and also is okay with leadership positions, he's a bit more anxious than some leaders, but I think he has a lot of potential, so I would think that Marco would be an interesting house leader, his route would probably be about him learning how to stand in his power and working and learning how to advocate for his, you know, his constituents for himself. Um, and his route would be probably more of the let's band together, kind of like the golden deer house where they are a bit like, you know, disjointed and they come together and then they are like these misfits um, working together to, to fight for a common goal. So I guess he would kind of be the Claude. I wouldn't say he is Claude by by any means, but I think that he would complement a Golden Deer type story. Now for Blue Lions, there is only one answer. I must go with the other mentally ill white boy, and I must go with Craig as a Dimitri type <laughs> story. I, it's true though. I can't even pretend because um, he would have a the the Azure Moon route of like. He went through a horrible thing. He internalized the horrible thing. He tried to pretend that it was fine. It wasn't fine. The mask shattered and then he was hurt and then he had to learn how to take accountability for it. In many ways, this is the plot that I want Craig to have in the sense of like him taking the accountability and him doing better and him learning how to like be mindful of how much space he is taking up. Um, and even Dimitri doesn't quite get there, but I, I feel like Craig would benefit from a plotline like that, so he would kind of be the Blue Lion type route. Um, and then finally, we have to figure out the Black Eagle route, Edelgard. Who would be the best Edelgard? I gotta think about this for a second. Frank, this is the route that you started, right? So yes, do you have yeah. any any potential input on who would be the best Edelgard? <laughs> okay, so as uh, just to remind everyone where I ended up with three houses, I got to the first like, oh, you just have free time. And I got overwhelmed by choice and stopped playing. That is valid. It, it was, I think it was the kind of rough time in my life at the moment. I'm like, I can't do this. Give me Persona. <laughs> Understandable. Persona, Persona is just like, I spent six hours crafting one log pick and then my cat told me to go to sleep. Um, for Edelgard, there's a couple ways. The thing is, is like, I feel like, I feel like, I don't want to make a selection that sounds insulting to Edelgard, because I want to be clear that I actually really like Edelgard. Um, I feel like in terms of her motivations, they are seen as a bit, like, they're seen as incredibly ambitious. Um, I think that, especially because we're kind of going with um, two of the older Degrassi kids for the other two houses. I feel like we may want to slot Paige in for the Black Eagles type route. I also feel like Paige would also have a team that is a whole lot of like 
girls and LGBTQ and LGBTQ coded like people. Like I feel like her team, like her her uh, her team would definitely like complement some of the demographics of the Black Eagles House. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do think that her plot would complement I think some of the pieces of her characterization in the sense of like she is somebody who um is very motivated and very focused on um you know wanting to achieve her goals um and she she sometimes has to kind of make sense of what to do when you know, when she does care about people, how does she show that genuinely? How does she work that into her goals? Is it able to work into her goals? I think that's a big conflict that she runs into, and we see it a bit with Alex, because she does want to go to college. Alex is kind of on the fence. She wants to keep Alex with her, um, and I think that that might complement some of the thematic elements of Black Eagles the most. Now, I'm not saying by any of these selections that they are one-to-ones to the characters, and I feel like if we started going by each and every house, we would have a freaking headache but i think that they would have storylines that would complement some of the themes of these routes um so and also like the thought of hasselakos i guess like in many ways this kind of implies hasselakos would be like a raya type character the thought of hasselakos like cosplaying raya is really fucking funny to me like holy shit (laughs) but um I think that's how it would kind of shake out. And I think that you could kind of divide the, and also because of the recruiting process, you don't have to have each and every character be committed to a certain um, house. Um, So you would also run into that thing where maybe Ellie would start in, in Marco's house, but like she would have a support chain with Craig. So like you could recruit Ellie to, to Craig's route and things like that. So I think that would still apply too. Um, and that would be also a fun thing to think about that I'm not going to bore everyone with, but like, what would their support chains look like? Who would they have support chains with would actually be a really, really interesting way of kind of looking at it. So I'm not saying I would play a strategy RPG of Degrassi, but I am saying I would play a strategy RPG of Degrassi. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) I don't know if you have any other thoughts. I, I need to play the game. I think I need to play it like I'm playing a Persona game for the first time, where I'm like, I'm gonna fuck up. I just need to keep rolling through. And honestly, that's kind of the secret, because like I, I, I kind of feel bad sometimes, because I look back on my Black Eagles run and I'm like, man, I fucked up left and right. And then like when I did the Blue Lions, I was like so meticulous. But that was because like I screwed up a bit on the Black Eagle route, and I was like, oh. I didn't know to do this and I didn't know to do that. And that's okay. Like you can always replay a route if you really fucked up or if you want to just like hit a save point at some point and be like, I will go back and when I know what the fuck I am doing and try and do this a different way. So like, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I feel you like my, my black Eagle route, I did some boneheaded shit. And if I said like some of the shit I didn't realize you could do in the game, like people would be like, I can't believe it. But you also remember, especially for me, like, I don't play video games. That was, like, my first video game I kind of played ever and really finished. So, like, there was shit I just did not know and would not know and never played a Fire Emblem game, so I couldn't tell you anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not going to force you to get back onto the horse, but I had a lot of, I have a lot of fun playing it. I had a lot of fun playing it, and if I wasn't so consumed by Animal Crossing, I would finally finish up the Golden Deer stuff. Well, I am thinking about getting back onto the horse, uh, irregardless of... Like, you know, being pressured by anyone. Mm-hmm. 
actually just like I was looking, trying to figure out like who you were talking about on the um, on the thing. Uh, so I like looked it up and it came up with like a Polygon article. It's like this is a perfect game to play when you're stuck at home. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, because you have all this socialization and you watch it all unfold and it's like I don't know. It's very consuming. Why are we twinkle toesing, Dahlia? She just scampered in. Um, but I think somebody passed by the door and she is freaked out. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, I, I could see the appeal of it. And I think that's why, like, the fandom is doing very well during these, uh, during the, the current climate. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with just there's so much to talk about and so much to make sense of and so much to, to pick apart that it could be something that's very fun to explore during these circumstances. Oh. Okay, uh, I just wrote, thought of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about while we watch the circle. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yes, because that's the other thing that we're doing today. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have one more question, and this is from friend of the show, Erica. Um, and I think that Erica asked a fabulous question here. I mean, they all are fabulous in their own different ways, but I think this one is something that we can both kind of pick apart, um, which is... What would the characters be like if they were written in 2020? Ooh. It's it's a good one. I think... Um, okay, so, yeah, like, this is... The, the, the kind of joyous thing about Degrassi is it exists in that period of time where cell phones were a thing, but they weren't an all-encompassing thing like they are now. Like, um, one of the things, like, when I go back and watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of my favorite things is just how important it is to get phone calls. Mm-hmm. Like, in the season finale of the, of the first season finale of Buffy, like, um, Xander is at home, uh, listening to music, and, like, the phone rings, and, like, it's well to be like, Xander, there's fucking vampires here! And he just picks up the phone and hangs it up. And that's it. And Xander just does not come for that final fight. Um, but, like, the thing is, you know, so, but we have cell phones now, so people can send text messages and emails and what have you. So then to push that forward, that's interesting. Yeah. I, okay, Paige is definitely an influencer. Yeah, I could see that. Um... Like, uh, Craig has a SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. He, he's not a SoundCloud rapper, but he has a SoundCloud. Um, oh. oh, no, please continue, because I just thought of something as you said that, but continue. Um, oh, I, I, okay, so forgive me, there is... A, a, a thing that is kind of dark, but I think it's, um, I think it, it would, it, it would be right. Actually a few things, honestly. Um, Peter, and I forget the name of the guy that assaulted Paige. Mm. Derek. No, that's not Derek. Mm, mm, who insulted Paige? 
No, assaulted. Oh, assaulted. Dean. Dean, thank you. I knew it was a D um, name. Those plot lines go along roughly the same way. Like, where no legal action happens. But basically, like, they just get destroyed socially. Mm-hmm. Like, Dean is, you know, people, like, other girls start coming out and saying, like, Dean's a fucking creep and his reputation, his social life is just destroyed. Mm-hmm. That's, like, for me, at least, like, one way that that could come out to a somewhat satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco has a much easier time of it because there's just so many more resources for him. Um, oh, my God. Marco and... Um, Oh my god, why is my brain broken today? Like, work wasn't even that stressful. Uh, Marco and Paige's brother. Um, why am I blanking out? No, wait, fuck, why am I on my... Marco and Dylan! Dylan, Dylan. D-names! There's a lot of D-names. Marco and Dylan basically have their own Simon versus the Homo... Uh, not the Homo... Jesus Christ. The Homo sapien agenda. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. moments where they're emailing and they don't know they're emailing each other. Um, let's see. Toby's on Toby's on a Discord, and, oh, God, him and Rick are definitely on some shitty fucking Reddit, like, subreddits. <laughs> mm. Um, what else you got? <laughs> I mean... So, so the way that I'm trying to look at this is, um, I mean, we did get a flash of like what a more contemporary Degrassi would do because about a year or two, I mean, two years ago, I guess we had Netflix Degrassi. Um, so I'm going to try to not base my answer entirely on that, but as we know, Degrassi tries to address things that are currently relevant, whether or not they successfully talk about them, you know, we, this is why we have a show about it. Um, but in, in terms of what would happen I think that um, there probably would be some similar themes, but I think how they were done would be different. So, for example, um, music, I think, would still have a role, but I do think the type of music would have to change. Um, so they would have to do more um, music that would complement what youth are currently listening to. Whether or not the writers could do that, I don't know, um, because I think that um, we have seen them kind of cling to uh, antiquity to a certain extent. Um, but I think that the idea of, of kids content creating and calling it content creating would be a big thing, whether it's songs, whether it's video, whether it's um, whatever. I think there would be a lot of emphasis on that. Um, and then like going quote unquote viral. And I feel like the writers would still in 2020 call it going viral. Um they would still like hang on to that and breaking the internet. I think they would still use those terms. Um, I think that the concept of LGBTQ characters would be a little bit more nuanced. Um, I think later Degrassi in general has way more LGBTQ characters. Um, and once again, your mileage may vary. Some of them are handled pretty well. Some of them, uh, some of them, uh, you know, one in the same great moments, not so great moments. Um, so I think there would definitely be way more LGBTQ characters to a point that I think that some of the characters that we were like, hey, imagine if they blank, I think they actually would. So like, 
I think Craig probably would be by in, in a 2020 Degrassi. I think that, you know, um, Emma and Manny maybe did experiment at some point or, um, the, you know, I think like some of those speculations that we had, maybe Marco would be trans. Um, like a lot of those like little head cannons we've kind of floated around. I think we would have seen more of in a 2020 Degrassi next generation. Um, I think that, um, yeah, social media would be way bigger. I think dance. So in here we saw more of like cheerleading and things like that. I think we would see way more dance probably within a Degrassi sanctioned, like renamed TikTok type situation. I think we would see something like that. Um, I think that Degrassi would also get really sensationalized and, and hyper-focus on um, certain challenges floating around on social media um, and, and probably do a couple episodes about that. Um, I think that there would probably be eventually, inevitably, probably something addressing current situation with the pandemic and things like that. Um, and who knows how that will be executed. I kind of dread seeing how media is going to try and talk about this era because I feel like it's not going to be great. Um, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, I think a big issue also, unfortunately, because of how teen media is right now, especially with things like Riverdale being successful and things like that, I think that it wouldn't be very grounded um, like the earlier seasons. I think that it would be very much kids getting very famous very quickly in a way that doesn't quite make sense. I think that there will be a lot of that type of stuff. And I think that that's just kind of the reality. I think that there are some good realistic fiction pieces that are happening right now, but I don't think they're really happening on TV. I think a lot of them are happening in YA books. Um, and I think it's unfortunate because I think the strength of the earlier seasons is how grounded it is. Um, and I think that the writers would easily get caught up in the glitz and glamour of 2020 um, ideas of like popularity and fame and things like that and, and push it into a level that's unrealistic. The thing is, like I've watched a fair amount of Riverdale is that like it feels very much more like in Degrassi, the next generation, they get famous way quicker than they do in that show in Riverdale, it's very much like somebody straight up says to Archie, like, look, the fucking town does not revolve around you and your friends. There's other people here. And Wow, that's that's groundbreaking. Yeah. Because <laughs> Archie's like, I want to sing a song about my friends. And they're like, this is the town's bicentennial. Like, who cares about your friends? Like, That's funny as fuck. Good. Um, but then he ends up doing it anyway. It's so stupid. Um, well, I think there's that. And then I also feel as though uh, a, a very real reality of like Riverdale. I think like another thing maybe that is worth considering with this stuff is like, would the characters even be casted within the same age bracket anymore? Probably not. Um, right. I think they would be way more sexualized too because of that. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah. And, like, the other thing is, like, Archie and the crew seem to constantly be solving mysteries and fighting, like, serial killers and gangs and whatnot. And I think there's a, at one point, like, they're playing some kind of murder game. I don't know. Like, the, they kind of lost the plot by season three. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, I definitely agree with everything you've said that like you're definitely more sensationalized and more Riverdale-esque because it's just... I, I honestly feel like the way Degrassi handles teen sexuality is even now more like it actually is. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, having sex is a big deal. Like, I remember um, when that show Euphoria came out, um, everybody was just like, this is not how teens actually are. Like, a lot more teens are cautious these days and are not, like, willing to take big risks. And I feel like that's the same thing with Degrassi of just like, look, when kids have sex, it's a big fucking deal. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, we're just going to play to the writers and the audience's fantasies of what teen life actually is. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I agree with you that like it would I, I don't feel like 2020 would be able to do what Degrassi, the next generation currently does. I agree. I or agree. used I to do. Um, I just think it's the same space anymore i don't think teen media um it's weird because i feel like in many ways teen media is not really for teens anymore um or rather it's it's not that teens can't like it but there is a hope that adults will like it as well i feel that more for stuff on this like the cw which Mm -hmm. is ultra hyper sexualized and like all those other kinds of things. But I feel like Netflix especially is putting out stuff that's so tone perfect. Cause I, I, I think like Netflix is like, look, we're here for whenever people want to watch. And CW is just like, well, you just got home from your job. Adults come watch this. Not like this river fire of a show called Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, there's all these super hot teens running around and all this other bullshit. Same thing, Vampire Diaries and Teen Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. What two two out of two out of those threes are probably banking on the like like yeah you love this growing up now look what it is it's sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, um, meanwhile, like I feel like Netflix is just like no, we're putting out shit that like teens can enjoy, like um, the Tell All the Boys I Loved Before trilogy, um, Never Have I Ever. And, um, Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, my sister, I haven't gotten a chance to watch Big Mouth, but Susie, like, swears by that show that she's like, it gets there sometimes of just, like, how painfully awkward some stuff is. Mm-hmm. So, I, I feel like Netflix is where you want to go for actual teen media, while the CW is just like, yo, we all about, we all about the fucking... <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about Netflix and Degrassi when we someday get to Netflix on Degrassi, uh, Degrassi on Netflix. One of my fa- uh, <laughs> one we'll talk. My, yeah, one of my favorite things is looking ahead at the Degrassi episode counts, and I'm like, one season is just going to be a year. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. They just start uh, doing some stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, and just... I don't know if you have anything more um, regarding this question. Uh, no, no. I think that um, I think that you can. I, I don't know. I know that when the Netflix thing kind of sh- like you know kind of went the way it did, um, there was a lot of discussion of whether even like you know there needs to be a Degrassi in this era, and you know I think that 
I think that anything can have a time and place as long as the writers are competent enough to write within the times that they are talking about. Um, and I think that there were flashes of that in Netflix Degrassi, though I did not really remember liking many of the characters. And I think that at the end of the day, Degrassi could still be relevant in 2020. And I think the reason why people still like the series and there are still kids who watch the series is because of some characters being incredibly endearing and worth cheering for. So I think that there can always be a time and place for this series as long as they created like relatable or at the least like entertaining characters and plot lines that speak to maybe not 100% accurately what teens are going through, but at least resonate. Um, and I think that if, you know, if Degrassi was to come back in some way, shape or form, in this era, I think that would be the secret. It would have to do that. Um, but we will see because, I mean, it seems like it's pretty closed right now. But, hey, it was also closed after after school's out. So we will see what will become of Degrassi in the coming years. Yeah. Um, but thank you. Thank you again to all of our listeners for the questions. I really appreciate it. Um I guess we'll go to our questions for each other. Wait, just one final note on that last question. Mm-hmm. JT would definitely be on YouTube, Vine, and then TikTok. Yeah, he absolutely would. And it would all be terrible. He'd have, like, one really good Vine, like, one of the ones that everybody quotes, and then the rest would just be garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's your first question for me? So my first question for you are... Uh, what are some exciting creative developments you've accomplished recently? Wowzers, wowzers. <laughs> um, um, I finished my manuscript, uh, There Must Be Something I've Lost. Um, and I've sent it to my readers to check it over. Um, it is about mental illness um, and the recovery thereof, or not the recovery learning how to come back from it um or like learning how to come back from a deep depression is really um kind of more of what's going on with it mm-hmm. um because like in and in a fair amount of like the mental health journey in the book is uh, is related off my own experiences um oh. And just like, you know, I remember I went to my ther- my first therapist in my first session. And I was just like, can you basically, can you fix me? And my therapist said no. And I, I was about to walk out at that moment. Mm-hmm. But, but then he said, like, because you're not broken. I, you're, this is just your brain doing all this stuff. And it'll probably never go away fully. But I can at least give you the tools to manage it to a point where it'll be barely noticeable. And that's when I knew I wanted to work with him. And that's when we got started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very proud of this book. It's also like the first book I've ever done that's just kind of straight YA. No like fantasy elements, no science fiction. And I thought it was going to be harder than it was. It was actually easier. <laughs> like... Because I think, like, a lot of times I get stuck writing, like, action scenes or, like, people having long conversations about, like, you know, fantasy plot elements. 
And I'm just like, I'm just here for the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, also think Degrassi definitely helped with that because I'm just like, I didn't think this was possible, but I'm like, well, Degrassi does this every fucking week. Like any of those episodes could have been their own YA novel if better written. Um, yes. And so like, you know, I just went from there. Um, other than that, uh, Teen Girl Talk's going pretty strong. We have another interview lining up for, about a book with um, about body image. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, Th- those are the two big ones. I keep meaning to like start doing let's plays, but I'm just I don't know. It's just a bit too much right now. I'm gonna try and get get into it, and I also have an idea for a video essay that I want to do, which might just become a blog post. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Donnie? Um, in terms of creative developments, um, I mean, I'm, I'm finishing up. I'm probably by the time this episode will be posted, I'll be officially done with the rest day zine that I put together, um, with a bunch of writers for, um, feeding America's COVID-19 response, uh, response fund, um, which, I was super duper proud of, um, I still can't believe it came together. Um, I talked a little bit on the show about it to promote it, but basically it was me just kind of being like, man, this pandemic sucks. I don't know how to give back. I don't know what to do. I don't, I can't see people. Um, so I basically just kind of talked to some friends who wrote fix and was like, Hey, do you want to like come together? Let's make a PDF. We can donate all the funds. Um, and people were like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. Um, And I still can't believe it worked the way it did. Um, We raised $1,500, which is still wild. If you've done any zine stuff, you don't usually raise that kind of money, um, which I think kind of spoke to people wanting to help the cause, um, which I still think is amazing. Um, I wrote two fix for it that I'm actually really proud of. um, And um, it's pretty cool to be able to do it. Um, I'm also working on another one where I'm an editor for about um, my Fire Emblem ship, which is really fun. Um, that one I'm not writing, but I'm having a lot of fun. Um, this weekend I'm going to have to start editing some of the fix and giving feedback. Um, that one's going to be published and more formal and all that type of stuff, but it's pretty cool. Um, and it's cool because, I don't know, our we it, my, my big Fire Emblem ship is like a really weird on-the-bubble ship. It's not a rare pair, but it's not like in the top 10 on AO3 if you went on to AO3. Um, so there's a smaller fan base, but there's a very dedicated fan base. And this was like, this has been a really nice way to talk to those people and talk to people who are fans of the ship that maybe I never would have really talked to otherwise. Like, it's like, oh, I see your art or I see your fic and that's really cool. And I'll leave a comment or feedback. So it's nice to be able to interact with them. Um, in terms of other projects, I mean, I'm still writing fic, um, which has been super cool. Um, and then, um, other than that, um, I got into another zine as a contributor, so that's pretty cool. A lot of my stuff has been fan work right now, and I don't really mind it, um, because for me, it's like, as of right now, I still have a job, um, so I kind of decided I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to freelance, because I know a lot of people are still, like, you know, really struggling, and that's their primary source of income, and things are really, really, um, all over the place right now. So I'm kind of content just kind of writing fic and posting it and doing charity efforts. 
Um, but I would like to get back into some more personal narratives. I really do enjoy writing those. Um, and I hope to probably once things calm down a little bit. Um, I still want us to make that video of like a fair number of the Degrassi guest hosts in my kitchen talking about Marco while I make sauce. Oh yeah, me too. I think that would be fabulous. Um, okay. Um, well also like, thank you for all your efforts in raising that money to help people. I know I'm super pumped. I I know, I know, I know like it's, it's anonymous, but I want to just say that's amazing. So thanks. Um, Uh, yeah, no, I'm still stunned at how it all worked out because I was ready for like one, one contributor was like, Oh, well, you know, we might be making a donation. That's like a couple hundred dollars in my head. I'm like, I'll be surprised if we make 50 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Um, so my questions are more nonsensical. Um, Donnie, recast Sailor Moon, and by that I mean the Sailor Scouts, with Degrassi girls. You can okay. You can you can do only Inner Senshi if you want. Bonus points for Outer Senshi also. I'm gonna double check all their personality types before I commit <laughs> anything, because it's been a minute. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. Hmm. Also pulls up a tab of Degrassi characters. All right. Uh, let's start with, I'm just going to say the sailor, like sailor planet names. Cause I know that everyone gets like super heated about whether or not like they're, they're like, you know, they're, original Japanese names versus like uh, English dub names. So I'm just going to stick to the sailor, sailor blank of it. So sailor moon. See with sailor moon, I think that there is the very, there is the desire to make it like a super one-to-one of how Degrassi's cast is laid out. Um, So like, presumably I feel like some people say, well, sailor moon has to be Emma. And I don't think so. And I don't want to. Um, and I think that I would love to see an early, early in the series, Manny as the Sailor Moon character. Yes, in yes, yes. <laughs> right? Because, like, she does have a similar arc of, like, being a little bit of a, you know, she's a baby. She's so small. Um, and she's still, like, figuring stuff out. Um, and I think that if she was given the chance to have power and use it to protect those she cared about i think that it would be a really really good arc for her and she would get treated probably a lot better than she does in the next generation so i'm gonna go with sailor moon uh as manny uh which i think or manny as sailor moon i think that would be absolutely delightful um my my thing with that is also sailor moon is very klutzy and like oh god that's right early manny couldn't stop beefing it yep (laughs) Honestly, I think this is perfect. Um, so we'll go with Sailor Mercury. Um, all right. So Sailor Mercury, I I really enjoy her. She's always been one of my favorites. Um, I feel like the uh, 
I feel like it makes sense to have like Ellie be this character in the sense of like someone who is like super, super smart, um, but and like has passion about like education to a certain extent and you know it's a little you have to fit a little bit ellie i think ellie ultimately it's all about journalism and things like that but i could see her kind of being more of like a a character who would fit this kind of archetype um but also like i like the idea of ellie having like a, a lighter side of interests and i think that also complements her interests in like bollywood movies and things like that um and that would probably be what her her interest would be as opposed to like romance novels for Sailor Mercury. Um, so I would probably put her in that role. I don't think it's a perfect fit, but also that would also being in the inner senshi, that would mean that I would have to see Ellie more and I, that is my decision. Um, Sailor Mars, I feel like has to go to Alex. We need somebody who is short tempered and who would better than Alex herself. Um, I also feel like she would look good in the color palette with the reds and the purples uh so i would probably go with her in that um sailor jupiter oh god frank did you know that she was like my first wife like love of my life your first waifu uh, yeah sailor jupiter no i didn't know that <laughs> yeah fun fun donnie trivia i'm in love i was like in love with her as a kid in love um, she's a little harder, I feel like, to pick. Hmm. I don't know if there's, like, a perfect fit for her. Um, but wasn't she, like, very sporty? Well, yes, but see, here's the thing about Jupiter. Like, she's, like, perfect. I don't know how else to put it. Like, as a child, I thought she was, like, the perfect girl. Um, because she is, like... Um, yeah, she's very, like, sporty, but, like, she also, like, really likes housekeeping and cooking and gardening and things. Like, she would be, like, she's, like, I don't know. She's she's that type, which I still love and probably also explains why I like to do Fire Emblem so much. Um, but it's hard because I don't think there's quite the equivalent in Degrassi. I was gonna say Kendra. Kendra, yeah, I guess Kendra. Yeah, I guess Kendra would be the best fit. I agree. I think Kendra would probably be the best fit. I think that she's not as into the domestic sphere as as Sailor Jupiter would be, but I think that that would be good enough. I'm fine with Kendra as Sailor Jupiter. Okay. Sailor Venus. Ooh, I do enjoy her. Um, I mean, see, here's the thing. She's the one that, like, is into, like, the... Um, the problem is, is, like, she's the one that has, like, the the pop path, like, pop star path, um, which usually would probably go to Manny. Um, but we already have Manny selected, and I do not want to move her from that position. So, in terms of her, um, hmm, I feel as though, hmm. This is hard because I kind of nerfed myself putting Manny in that <laughs> in the other position. <laughs> so I feel like she would go here, um, but I like the idea of her as Sailor Moon way too much to possibly move her, so I need to keep mulling about this. Um, I mean, P 
Paige does have her aspirations of fame as well. Um, and I kind of like the idea of her having the dynamic um, with that kind of like strain. I remember, I don't know if I'm remembering it fully correctly, but I, I know that like the, there's that weird, almost strained relationship between her and Sailor Moon because of like, they have like such similar paths to a certain extent. And I think that that kind of speaks to the tension that Manny and Paige have periodically in the series where they are not exactly the same, but there are like, they have, they hit similar beats in each other's lives and they are intimidated or annoyed by each other because of it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that could be an interesting layer that kind of replicates the tension that happens in Degrassi as a series. Uh, I mean, obviously Sailor Chibi Moon is, um, is Cassie Seal's actual sister, a.k.a. Um, why can't I think of anyone's name today? Angie. Joe, Angie. Obviously, that's Angie. Uh, I mean, I'm going to Grandma's on the moon! Obviously, they are sisters and not, like, a mother-daughter, but, like, duh, that's what happened. That's what it is. Um, and then we go with Sailor Pluto. See, now, now we're getting... This is getting hard, because I feel like I've used... A lot of folks that I I feel like I'm running out of girls here. Um, let's see. Um, Sailor Pluto. Um, I think that because of her feeling of loneliness and isolation, um, even though she is overall pretty friendly, I feel like this would probably go to Ashley in some way. Um, because there is that slight disconnect that Ashley experiences for a lot of her time on the show. Um, and I feel like that would kind of be the best fit. Um, although, man, I fucking nerfed myself. Who do I make Uranus and Neptune? <laughs> Fuck. Damn. I think this is where I start petering out. Because who am I going to put? Like, I'm not going to use Emma. Who am I going to have as Emma in any of these? I'm not. Um... Okay, we no. still got Darcy. Uh, uh, we have a Liberty. And oh, we have true. we do have Liberty. And Hazel. You know, okay, I'm gonna rearrange. I'm gonna say Mercury is Liberty. That you know that was my original choice, but I did think your first Liberty your first Mercury choice is a good one. I think that there was a rationale behind it, but I think the thing is at the end of the day, I feel like Ellie, Ashley, like they 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 feel very outer senshi to me um and probably what they would want as well um but i I would put liberty into into mercury i I think that that i think i overthought that answer but i think both work um and then hmm. hmm see i don't think there's anyone there's anyone in this in this entity of Degrassi that we are speaking to right now, which I am going to restrict myself to because I feel as though that is very important, I don't feel like there's anybody who can really be Uranus. Yeah. I think that, you know, that is such, like, she is such, like, that is such an iconic character. She is so stunning in so many ways like from an aesthetic perspective and so influential and culturally like important 
I don't think there's a Degrassi character that we can definitively say yes. Relating to that, I don't know if there is one that we can truly put for Neptune. I think this is where I tap out on the question. I think that once we get to Outer Senshi, it, it gets too too difficult. Um, I was only going to... But the only thing I would say was that I would... Because I always thought Silly Neptune as being very glamorous, like... And kind of glamorous always kind of, for me, says Hazel. I would say Hazel is Neptune. I could get behind that. I like that idea. But I like, like But there's no, but you're right. There's nobody to hold the esteemed place of Uranus. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like, like, if there was, like, a total lock of a ship, I'd be like, yeah, let's put them in there. But it gets, it, it's too hard, I think, once we get to that. I think I think this is a question that you can only, like, truly stick to, like, the inner senshi to answer. Because um, I think that once we get to outer, you, you run into, you run into those, you know, those girlfriends. And it's like, damn, what do I do? Yeah. Or, you know, cousins. <laughs> True. Sorry, Saturn. I, I did not even get to you because I got, I got so, like, <laughs> I got so, like, stuck. I just thought Elias Saturn. Elias Saturn would be good, I think. I, I think Elias Saturn would be good. Um, I wish that there. I feel like the thing is, and I don't want to be like too spoilery. Like there are, there is a uh, a future character who has like chronic health issues that I guess you could make a case for would be like a pretty easy character to slot in here. But once again, I'm trying to restrict myself to where we're at in season five. So these are my answers. I'm sorry I didn't get to do everybody, but I want to believe I, d- I got as far as I could. Yeah, I mean, that's still like, I think like seven out of ten, seven out of nine. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, what you got for me? Um, do you have any advice for aspiring writers and or podcasters? Cool. Um, uh... Okay, so those are two different arenas. Um, it's an andor. No, I, I can do both. Um, for writers, I think some of the obvious ones are read everything. Um, like, and I'm not gonna say like read stuff you hate. Don't bother doing that. Um, just dip your toe into every genre of literature out there. Um. Because I feel like no matter what the genre is, it can give you a tool that you're going to need later. Like, um, for like romance novels, for me, taught me a fair amount of how of description. Um, horror novels taught me how to do suspense. Um, you know, mystery novels taught me how to do overarching plot lines. Uh, yeah. Um, and I'm not gonna say like I also do, I also don't agree with some of the the more tried and true uh, writing advice, like people who say like, you need to write six to seven hours a day to be good. I don't agree with that. Um, I think like trying to enforce that on yourself, sitting at your computer and just or you know the page and just staring at it, being like I don't know what to write, is not helpful and it feels discouraging. I think, however, you should always be thinking about your writing, um, thinking about characters, thinking about plot lines, thinking about like, you know, what you want to do, what you want to create. Um, 
like a lot of times I won't put fingers to, to keys until I've given maybe a month or a few weeks of just thinking about the book like beforehand. Cause if I get started and I don't know where I'm going, it will just, I'll just get discouraged and I won't want to work on the thing. But if I'm thinking about it and like, just, you know, filling my day with it, I'll start like, you know, I'll see something and be like, that could, that could work in here or that'd be a good idea to do this. Um, you know, uh, and yeah, and as always, like John Mayer's kind of gross. He is gross, but he did say something I still I also believe in that you should write what you want to see in the world. Like, if you you know, uh, if you're part of a community that you do not feel are there are characters that you identify with write those characters you know if you're not if you're not part of that community do your research then also try and write those characters that's what you want to write um but yeah um and just try like you know write don't ever think your story is boring because every story can be interesting if you tell it right. Um, oh, and also watch c good comedians. Because they are storytellers. Um, I would highly recommend Taylor Tomlinson and John Mulaney. The way they tell stories are sharp and just so funny. But also, like, the way John Mulaney tells that story, like, tell, like, the way he gets to the payoff is incredible. Like, you know, he took, like, he can tell you a story about, like, going to a diner and doing this one thing, and you'll be enraptured by it. Um, so, yeah, that's, and that it's just part of taking inspiration from everything. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's my writing advice. Um, for podcasting, uh, you have to kind of let go when you start doing podcasts. Like if you're trying to be cool, if you're trying to be like, you know, to make yourself look suave or like desirable or like, you know, just like, don't put on airs when you do a podcast, just get in there and start doing it. Cause it like people will hear through the fakeness. And they'll know when you're putting on an act. Like, and make sure you're doing the podcast about something you're passionate about, not just something you think will make you money. G be genuine, I guess, is the, is the short version of that. Like, you know, I w didn't know anything about Degrassi when we started this. But I was in love with young adult fiction and young adult media. And now I'm in love with Degrassi because of it. So, so yeah, I think those are my two big pieces of advice for it. Mm -hmm. And you can, oh, and also for podcasting, you can make a podcast about anything as long as you're like trying and, you know, like I said, being genuine, people will listen to it. Fucking, uh, the worst idea ever does a podcast where like each week they watch like Paul Blart 2, or not Paul Blart 2, I think like Grown Ups. 
And like they still make it work. It's amazing. Um, so yeah. Uh, what about you, Donnie? Um, I think for writing, a big thing is if you're somebody who's interested in publication, um, work on your callus for rejection and understand how arbitrary it is. Um, I think that people have a lot of pride in their writing, and I think that's good. And I think you should. But understand that not everyone is going to necessarily like it, for lack of better terms. And and also understand that that dislike may not actually have anything to do with your technical skill. Um, there are people that I know that are brilliant who didn't get into a zine or didn't get into a, you know, didn't have their pitch get accepted or whatever. Um, and I still think they're great. And then I got in and I was like, I don't really understand why. Um, and vice versa. People I know got in, I didn't get in and, you know, who knows? Um, and as somebody who has been on the end of actually has done application-based writing and things like that, um, really just, there are so many factors um, and sometimes you see someone and they're not quite ready for this specific form of publication and it doesn't mean that they're a bad writer, but maybe they just need a couple more, you know, some time, or maybe they sent something and had typos and it was like, well, you can't even submit me something that, you know, you at least proofread that's going to impact my impression on your ability to write for something like this. Um, there are plenty of reasons for why things, and sometimes it's also like it's the end of the day, this, you know, I'm done or I saw this application late and I have 15 spots that I already gave to people I really like. Um, it's very hard. Um, and sometimes you will get told why you were rejected and you will think it's fucking stupid. And I've gotten that too. Um, I've been told weird stuff that I just do not agree with that. Um, I still do not, you know, don't really understand the person's perspective, why they said it to me. Um, and that's okay. You don't have to be in everything. Um, but I do think that if you are interested in being in a world of publication, you have to kind of accept that people are going to make decisions and that doesn't make you less of a writer or less of a more skilled writer because of that. Um, and, and also, if you want to know why you were rejected, reach out, see if they respond. Um, you don't have to agree, but they are, at the end of the day, in charge of that specific thing, and there will be another project that looks for something that's right where you belong. Um, I also agree with the idea of thinking about writing. Um, I'm somebody who has a full-time job that is very involved. Um, I was talking on Twitter about my writing process and I I said on there straight up, like, I have a document that I keep open all day, every day. On the weekdays, I'm not gonna be updating it much. I'm maybe lucky if I get a paragraph, but I'm thinking about it all the time. And then finally the weekend I can sit down and write. I think that it's important to know where your story is headed. Um, and I think that thinking about it is a really effective way to do it. You may not always be able to sit down and do a super formal outline, but in your head going and having almost like a movie of like, this is where I want the beginning to be, this is where I want the middle to be, this is where I want the end to be, can be a really important and powerful way to know how you want your story to go. So I think thinking about your writing is essential. Um, it's, it's, once again, I don't think there's a set amount of hours that you should be writing. I, I think that that's really, you know, it doesn't really fucking matter. 
but thinking about your writing and thinking about what will be a satisfying progression of the story is very important. Um, also relating to, and I should have probably brought this up with the first point, um, but I'll say it here because I do think it's its own separate thing, um, is being receptive and, and you know, um, understanding of the role of feedback. Um, I think that a second pair of eyes has never hurt a story, really. Um, as long as you, like, know to stay true to yourself and you trust who's looking at it and things like that. Um, but I think that a second pair of eyes will be incredibly helpful, not even from, like, a grammar, spelling, things like that, but sometimes you write something, you're like, I don't know if this makes any sense. Like, I do not know, because I, you know, it makes sense in my head, and I don't know how somebody else is going to look at it. And before you publish something, having uh, that feedback is essential because that's the way you're going to figure out if things are confusing, if this pose doesn't really make sense, if this person is holding something and then they punch with that hand when they when you already set up that they were holding like a hat. Um, I think that it's really important to be receptive toward feedback and, and receptive toward somebody giving some sort of input because I think that you're just not going to know until you have that. Like, you can be your own proofreader, you can pick up every single spelling error, you can do all that type of stuff. But I think that at the end of the day, having somebody for that continuity and that clarity is really, really important. Um, in terms of podcasting, I, I agree. Just do something you're passionate about. Um, one, the world is vast and people will will be able to and want to listen to your podcast if you're passionate about it. Um, one of my favorite podcast episodes of the past year was literally um, from Podcast The Ride. They did an episode in which they did McGruff the Crime Dog's uh, drug PSA album. They went through each and every track and analyzed the lyrics and talked about the songs um, and talked about McGruff and his role as like, you know, in, in the ad council and things like that. And I legitimately laughed so hard. It was like one of the last weeks I was on public transportation for a while. And I literally laughed so hard. I had to stop listening to it in a public place. Cause like I was causing a scene and bringing attention to myself. Um, but it was because like they were, yes, they're funny, but like it's because they love it so much. That's why it was funny. It, it's, it's one of those things where I think that if you want to pick apart something, in a podcast setting, it, it just doesn't really work very well unless you care about it. Um, I hope people listen to this podcast and know how much I care about Degrassi and how much I love Degrassi. And I think that Frank's perspective as somebody who loves teen media is very clear in how he talks about it every single episode. Um, and I think that you can be critical of stuff, but I think that if you're just going to tear things apart left and right and not really have any joy in the in the episode, it might not be the best topic. For, from a listening perspective. Is that a conversation you should definitely have with your friends and kind of go hard? Yeah, sure. But I think if you can't find the flashes of joy or the happiness in it, I don't think it works very well. Um, and I also think just kind of like, accept that you will find an audience and that might be a small audience, but that's not a bad thing. Um, I think that I have a lot of opinions on like celebrity ran podcasts and the popularity of those podcasts and like the intent of like what what podcasting should be or shouldn't be and things like that, which I will not bore people with. 
But if you're just an average person, you're not going to have a built-in fan base and that's okay. Um, and you may never reach tons and tons and tons and tons of downloads, but that doesn't mean that your show isn't good and it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean something to people. Um, and I think that just kind of understanding that you will, as long as you're dedicated to it and you are passionate about it, you will get somebody to listen um, is really important. Okay. So I actually, my question um, kind of goes back to our own podcast. Uh, yeah. Do you ever kind of wish our roles were reversed where I was the veteran and you were the neophyte? Hmm. I mean, the only way that I feel that way is um, sometimes it's nice when I guest on podcasts and I don't have to like lead. <laughs> <laughs> like, like being on Teen Girl Talk and Frank was leading it. I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> oh, you said it was weird. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Donnie. <laughs> but in hindsight, it was weird in the sense of like, I'm not used to it, but it was also nice. <laughs> um but that's not a bad thing like i i don't mind my position because i feel like it should be my position i'm the one who watched the series all the fucking time so I, it should be my role and that's fine oh, oh wait, um, no, no i'm my question like my, i think the base sorry the base of my oh. question is do you think you would have liked to like be able to see this again with fresh eyes oh okay um but as the person you are now, not the teen Donnie back then. No, I, 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 I am glad I watched it when I did. I think that it was deeply influential to my core. Um, and I, I'm really grateful for that. And even when I'm critical of it, even episodes that I used to love as a kid that I, you know, don't love as much anymore. I'm grateful for what it has done to me and how it's influenced me. Um, but also, I don't know if I, as an adult, would be as charmed by it. I, I do love teen media, but I do gravitate more toward YA books. Um, I don't really watch... I, I, I watch an embarrassing lack of TV and movies. I, I enjoyed... Like, I feel like it's one of those things where... So, like, let's look at, like, what is my favorite piece of teen media at this age? And one of my favorites is Friday Night Lights. If... I watched Friday Night Lights as a kid. I don't think I would have gotten it because I don't think it's as accessible for teens. I think that there are some adult concepts that don't really hit until you're older. Um, meanwhile, I feel like Degrassi is able to get to its level very, very well. And I think that when Degrassi does well, it's when teens can connect to it and, and they get it. And I don't think I would enjoy it as much as an adult because I think that there are a lot of plot lines that just are really, really meant to be for that age group. Meanwhile, I think Friday Night Lights is not necessarily that. I think that there are teen plots, yes, but I think there's something very compelling about the town drama and things like that from an adult perspective. Um, so yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would love being a neophyte for this one. I think that I would have probably been charmed by it and endeared by it. But I don't, and like, I would understand its cultural significance. Like, I can do that type of stuff. But um, I don't know if I would be as excited by it. Um, and I also do wonder if, because there are some, some moments in the series that are just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, I don't know if I necessarily would have the most fortitude. I think I think Frank has nerves of fucking steel, and he can he can wa he can watch some of these episodes. And he's like, ugh, but I'll get through it. I'm way too fickle, 
Um, and I think I, I could see myself hitting a limit and just being like, fuck this. Um, so I'm very happy being the veteran. I'm very happy that I had Degrassi when I did. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that things rolled out the way that they did. Because in reverse, I don't know if we would make it through all these seasons. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would like to... I don't think... Uh, I think this would probably have not affected me that much as a teen. Mm-hmm. Like, if I watched it, because I would just be like, I don't have these problems. <laughs> like, Yeah, and I think that's the thing, because, like, I did. Like, with Marco especially, like, his, his shit was very similar to the shit I was dealing with. So I, like... I would actually get a little upset when when people would talk about Degrassi being like, oh, like what weird things are going to happen? Um, because for me, so much of it was deeply relatable. Um, like, sure, there are some plot points that I have not personally experienced, but like there was one character who um, who was me in many ways, who was figuring out sexuality, who was also Italian and like had a weird, complicated relationship with Catholicism and things like that, like. Um, and I guess that also speaks to, like, the importance of representation and all that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, like, it it clicked for me at a very important time. Yeah. Okay, what's your next question for me? All right, your next question. Um, this one is quarantine-related. Um, but I do think it's good to talk about because, um, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of hitting a wall with it. Um, which is, how are you staying connected to people during the quarantine? Um... I'm just utilizing um, every piece of social thing, uh, social, like, activity I have. Um, that's not a word. Uh, <laughs> like, any anything that connects me to other people is something I've been trying to utilize. Also, uh, I just want to throw this out there because I think it's really funny. Because, um, and I, like, I said this before, but because YouTube will demonetize any non-official sources that use the cor- use the word coronavirus, um, which I think is a very smart thing because they want to make sure you're getting actual correct information from official sources. Um, the Game Grumps have taken it to calling, they've taken to calling the coronavirus the uh, Backstreet Boys reunion tour. Oh my God. And so they'd be like, well, the Backstreet Boys reunion tour is still raging outside. So we Holy wanna, shit! We want to do this to help you through. Um, uh, yeah. So like, I um, what I do is every week I will check in with uh, some of my um, some of my uh, family members who I'm not like, you know, I don't see that often. Like, not my parents. My parents, I check in with like. Almost every day. Um, and then, like, the alternating weeks, I'll check in with my friends. You know, those who are out of state and out and about. Um, but, like, I'm also on back on Tinder. Um, my Tinder profile just says, like, hey, if you need somebody to talk to through this, let me know. Like, we can get through this together. Um, and that's why I'm also now on Discord, as Donnie found out this morning. Because mm-hmm. I'm just looking for, like, you know, other human contact. Um, and I'm trying, you know, whatever I can do. 
Uh, being back on Tinder, though, you know, unsurprisingly, men are being shitty. Like, let's meet up. And the women are like, no, there's a fucking pandemic. Like, it's stupid. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm using what I can uh, to get out there and keep in contact with people. Um, you know, obviously not being in contact with people, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Uh, similar. I mean, I am an internet kid, so in many ways, the way that I talk to certain people, it hasn't really changed all that much. I mean, I'm using way more voice chat than I used to. Um, it's it's <laughs> friend of the show, Jazz, can, can tell you uh, how for years I would be very elusive with voice chat. It, I, I never shied away from talking to people in person. Um, and I, I love meeting people in person, um, but trying to pin me down for voice chat, I was very elusive and sometimes I still am because of my job and things like that. Um, and I, I get like, you know, very much in my head, like whether or not, like you want to hear me. Um, so I was very shy about it. And then with this circumstance and everything, I've become way more receptive toward voice chat, um. I try to make it a goal for myself to, like, hear a human being every single day, um, which during the work work week is not hard. But, like, you know, on the weekends, sometimes it can be. Um, so I try to do that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, it's never going to be quite the same. But there are some people who, even, even without these circumstances, I still probably would not be seeing right now. Um, and when I kind of put it in that perspective, it it's less um upsetting because it's just like well now this is just letting it's making our i'm like trying to look at it as like well now our schedules are a little free enough that we can like do this more often might as well take advantage of it um but yeah i mean i've been doing a lot of that um animal crossing has been really helpful and a lot of people can kind of speak to that um we frank is now part of my server where um we talk about degrassi but we also talk a lot about animal crossing because we're all playing it um, and we are, like, there's a couple members who are all actively playing it, and we'll, like, let each other know about our turnip prices, let each other know about, like, if Celeste is on our island, did things open up our gates, visit each other, water each other's flowers, and, like, it's, it's little things like that. Um, and those are the things that are, are essential in getting through this, and these are the things that I have found to be incredibly helpful. Um, I mean... That is how I've really been staying connected. Um, and also, like, not being mad at people if they can't talk to you. Um, I think that a lot of people are trying to frame this as if this is a test in some way. And the answer is it's not. We're all under different types of pressure. And some of us are able to be on voice chat a lot and some of us aren't. And some of us are overexerting ourselves because of it. And, you know, you're just kind of rolling with it. So that's how I'm doing it. I think it also helps that um, I have two of the, like, most ridiculous cats on the planet. So they are also a way to keep connected. But what's also nice is whenever someone wants a cat pick, I can always offer it. Like, I'm showing the camera right now. I'm showing Frank Dahlia. She is so sleepy. She is so sleepy. I just grabbed her and she is melted. Oh, I know, baby. So that also helps. Having a ridiculous pair of cats always helps. So for my next question, if you could move Marco to another young adult franchise, which would it be? 
Oh. I was going to say, if you can move, my original question was, if you can move someone into the Degrassi universe, but I'm just like, no, people need to escape from that one. Can it be a book? Yeah, book, movie, and, whatever. And not necessarily a franchise, but a formative book. Sure. Uh, did you read Boy Meets Boy by David Levithan? It, I've, I've read Two Boys Kissing. I read um, One Day. Is Boy Meets Boy the one where there's like the motorcycle cheerleaders? Yes. Yeah, I read that. Yes, I would put him there. Um, I think that I, as a kid, um, Boy Meets Boy was probably like the first explicitly LGBTQYA book I ever read. Um, and probably the first LGBTQ book I ever read, really. Um, I was like kind of just going through the YA shelves of the library and I found it and I was like, well, this is clearly, clearly about boys and clearly gay. So um, I was like, okay, let's take it out. Um, and I like secretly like had it in my bag and like hid it from my parents and all this type of stuff. Um, but what I really loved about that book and why, and it was important to read at that time, and I still think it's worth reading, um, is the fact that it is a bit of a utopia, right? Like you have a lot of like juxtaposition in, in the kids' roles. Like you have a drag queen who's also a quarterback and you have like gender neutral scouting and things like that like things that a lot of people are like oh sjw's but in actuality would be pretty fucking sweet um and i like the idea of marco being in a world like that where he doesn't have to worry about the anxieties um that a lot of a lot of like the blatant homophobia he experienced and, and, you know, things not being perfect, but maybe letting his story just be that he has a crush on a boy and he has to try, like, figure out how to, how to fix the situation. Um, so I would probably put him in, in, a situ- in that book. How about you, Frank? Um, I would say also uh, to all the boys you loved before. Because, mm. like, my, I, I do agree with you that, like, I, I think it's it's not a it's not a problem of LGBTQ media. It's just a problem of our world. Exactly. That, like when I read something that has LGBTQ characters, um, I'm just like, when is the bad gonna hit? Because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Like you know, I saw Marco. Like you, I knew what Marco was, or like who you know, I knew his about his sexuality. Um, because you kept being like, I can't wait for you to meet Marco. I'm like, okay, I know what, what Marco, like, I know where Marco falls. <laughs> um, yeah, so, was- I, so then, like, when we got to the episodes where he started, like, kind of accepting it, I'm just like, uh-oh. And then he got beat up. And I'm like, god damn it. Uh, why is the world so terrible? Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, yeah, I, but in, like, to all the boys I loved before is kind of more just cutesy and mm-hmm. fun. And like those people seem to actually be like nice to one another that I'd want to go for that. I want to put in there. But I also agree. Boy meets boy world would be amazing as well. Yeah. All right. What's your next one? Um, what are the differences between being a co-host on teen girl talk and being a co-host on I hope pod? <laughs> um, 
I'm a lot. Uh, I, I'm different when I'm on Teen Girl Talk. <laughs> Susie and I take very hard, like, we're a lot more flippant, I feel, on Teen Girl Talk. And, like, we take hard stances about very stupid things. Um, but we also, because the way Susie and Mai's uh, sense of humor has developed throughout the years is, like, as this kind of building of momentum of ridiculous things. And it's hard for me to not, it, it's kind of hard for me to describe. So I'll just go off of one. Uh, we did this show called The Society. And The Society is just like, these kids went on a field trip, they had to turn back, and when they got back, everyone from their town was gone. So they had to basically build a society being just, you know, a bunch of angry teenagers. It's not a great show. Like, it just has all the problems of a show with that concept would have. Mm-hmm. And, like, so we did this thing we call two-minute movie fix, where we for, we just take two minutes and we just fix the movie. And Susie's like, okay, there's a Ratatouille situation. And I, like, my brain immediately jumped from that to somebody's looking for, like, supplies in a... Um, somebody's looking for supplies in a house and they come across a fursuit. Like, a... Like a you know, for a furry. And, like, then, like, people just kind of start discovering, like, other f- people's fursuits. And they realize the whole town is nothing but furries. And they haven't been removed to, like, purgatory or the afterlife or whatever. They've been removed to a safe place where they could just be furries. And, like, they gather in the town square and all put their, like, heads, their furry heads on. And they're just like, this is right. This is what it's supposed to be. And they look up at the full moon, and there's a wolf that winks at them and goes, ooh, ooh. And the town is renamed to Welcome to Fursylvania. Damn. So that's kind of like, and also just like, you know, it's like Susie just railing against like, um, Susie railing against like the boy she like went on dates with. Like, there's a lot more yelling. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I feel like with Teen Girl Talk, it's just, like, because there's so much different stuff, I'm experiencing different emotions. You know, like, I'll meet a main character and just be like, fuck that person. Like, they're awful. Or, like, I'll see a serial killer on a Lifetime movie and be like, she's my new, like, she's my new baby. I must protect her. Um, meanwhile, in all in Degrassi, all of them are my children, and I care for most of them, not Peter. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you know, I have so much history with these characters, with the Degrassi characters, where, whereas with like High School Musical, I don't like, I've spent three movies with Troy, I'm already getting tired of him. Damn, but um, but yeah, like it's mostly just like because, like different media brings out different things in me. Whereas Degrassi brings out like a protective and more thoughtful side to me. Um, Also, there's a lot more diverging in teen girl talk than there is in, I hope I'm making it. I hope I can make it through. Cause I feel like now I've realized we need to laser focus on the episodes. Then like, you know, hearing me tell a five minute story about some fucking nonsense. It's not nonsense. I, I, it's not, but, like, you know, like, 
now, like, I always feel like with Degrassi, it's just like, all right, like, open up, like, that book on the shelf, like, reference manual on the shelf, and, like, we'll go from what they built off of, and we'll talk about this thing. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, like, that's, that's really, the, the main difference for me is that just, like, like, hosting with Susie is, like, a riot, like... Mm-hmm. And like, and I don't mean like laughing riot. I mean just kind of like a riot after a football match. Like, hosting with you is a much <laughs> more like, let's sit down and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, you're far less bossy than Susie is. That's true. That is true. But also, like, she is the big sister. Like that. That was gonna happen. All right. So, um, one of her boyfriends once uh, called me her lackey. Oh my god. I mean, there's worse people to be lackeys for. I know, but, like, I don't like the implication, though. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I kind of accepted it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, God. Um, but, yeah. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the big difference of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't try and kick over my chair like Susie has. No, I don't. I, I would feel so bad if I did. Well, the thing is, Susie couldn't, because she, like, put her, like, foot against the armrest, and I kind of moved my wrist and was able to hold her back just by using my wrist. <laughs> I would never do that to you. I would never even make it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, for my, um, you know, I'm going to bounce off. Nah, I kind of want to have something different. Um, if if you could, because some of, I, I feel like some of the Degrassi actors have kind of gotten out of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. If you could, if you could bring somebody back into the game to um, to to act in a role in a movie or TV show, which would you want them to move into? Like, if you could recast one role that's already known. Ooh, I'm really bad at these questions. Um... <sighs> oh, okay, then let me um, then let me adjust the question. Okay. If you could make a spinoff around one character that's not Marco, who would you want that to be? Liberty. Um, huh. I think that she has a story worth telling and I think the problem with her in the show is she never gets to tell it um and I think the idea of a kid who um is a bit of an outsider and kind of has to to figure herself out not necessarily with the constant support um and has gone gotten some pretty like shitty hands dealt to her um Makes her a character I think would be worthy of her own spinoff. I also feel like if we're looking at her as I know I've said this before, like she's the most teen in so many ways, and I feel like she has the energy of a YA protagonist. So I think that it would definitely not be a huge bombastic series, but I think that it would be an interesting kind of um, progression of a character. Um, and, and I feel like also maybe she did need to be away from the series to let her have her own little network of friends. Because it seems like she got constantly pushed aside, 
Um, and it would be nice if maybe she had a group of friends, like, especially because she is so involved with theater. Like, what if she had a bunch of, like, really fun theater kid friends with her? Um, we could see JT's progression as a person also. But from Liberty's point of view, which I think would be an interesting one, um, we could see a whole lot of stuff, honestly, that we just don't get to see in the series. I think if also another character I would potentially give this to would be Sean. Um, Sean's character is a little tricky. I think sometimes his character, much like Paige's character, works better when they're like a foil for somebody else. Um, but maybe that's what Sean could have is like a really definitive foil. Um, mostly because I feel like he, because he, he once again got pushed to the side a bit, his complicated emotional growth didn't necessarily translate as well as I would like it to in the series. And I think that his point of view could have been something that we we could have gotten a lot of like interesting nuance for if he was the focus of it. Um, and I also think that there is just a lot of gaps in his story purely because they're really complicated topics that I don't think you can truly talk about in an ensemble piece. And I think that if he was given the more screen time, maybe we would be able to understand better his family dynamic. Maybe we would be able to understand better the complicated feelings of him and his role with Rick. I think that, or even the fact that he hurt people and like giving him the space to process, like what does it mean to lash out? How do I stop lashing out? How do I take accountability for what I have done? And what do I do if that person doesn't forgive me for it? Um, I think there are a lot of really complicated things with Sean that just will not ever fully be answered in a story that's laid out like this. So I think Liberty or Sean or both, I mean, there was that little crush. Hey, like, why not? Um, maybe that's the foil he needed. Um, but I think that I would love to see more about those two. How about you, Frank? Um, I would honestly, uh... I want to kind of jump off, like, I, I kind of want to do two characters moving into a new place together. Ooh, okay. Um, and jumping off of yours, I think an actually better foil would be Craig for Sean. I agree, but here's the thing. I don't necessarily want to give Sean, I, I figured Craig has too much screen time. So I didn't want to give it to Craig. But Fair I think enough. he would be an excellent foil for Sean. I think that there's so much messy abuse survivor vibes between the two of them. There would be so much. I think Craig would have a lot of prominence in a, in a Sean subplot, like a Sean series. I think that maybe that's what the writers would have needed. I feel like the fact that they left the cards on the table with that relationship is fucking bullshit. When I, like, what I'm getting at is I would love a show where, and I, I agree with you, like, I think Craig definitely would probably overtake the show. But, like, I would love a show where the two of them are kind of living together. And, like, Craig's, you know, still doing the musician thing. But he needs a roommate. And, like, Sean is kind of, like, doing the steady 9 to 5 working at mechanics kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Craig has been around a fair amount of guys. Like, he's been around Marco but I really feel like, you know, Sean has that sensitive side to him. And just like, you know, when he talks about like, look, I used to get re like, I like the idea of two men helping each other heal. Yes. Yes. Like, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. Like, you know, like 
Sean saying, like, look, we're not our parents, and, like, we can move on from this together. Like, and maybe, like, I, in my mind, I picture this scene of, like, Craig, like, kind of losing his, like, losing his shit. Um, you know, or, have, excuse me, having an episode. And then, like, Sean just takes his hands and just, like, you need to, like, help me, like, help me help you focus. And the two of them just sit like that and, like, they calm each other down. And, like, How he. How dare you take an outline piece from one of my Dimmy Do fix? How dare you? I never read it. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we're just mind melding. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so that would be one. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think Liberty would kind of be a good, like, Daria, um, like, spinoff. But like, as where Daria is nothing but apathy, Liberty is nothing but, like, energy and getting involved in things. (laughs) Yes. Yes, but that's exactly it. I think that she has so much energy. We could see her do a lot of things, and I think it would be really relatable. I think the stakes would be significantly smaller um, than Degrassi Next Generation, but I don't think that's a bad thing either. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying that they would, like... Because, like, I don't know how much they would want to... I would want the series to keep with some of the plot points that Liberty has in in Next Gen. Part of me just kind of wants it to be, like, a very slice of life, like, like, I, I, I kind of want her to almost be, like, the the protagonist of, like, a Love Live type series where it's like, I'm going to form a dance group to save the school. Like, I want, like, her stakes to be something like that. I was thinking, like, Liberty moves to a new school mm-hmm. and, like, you know, she's used to being the president. She's used to being in charge of things. And then, like, you know, she realizes, like, she's trying to, like, she's basically, like, overstretching herself, trying to, like, kind of fit back in. But then, um, at the end of the series, like, she had, like, that's her arc for the first season. Mm-hmm. Is she becomes, like, like, is her learning her limitations. And then, like, pulling back in some things and then overcoming other things. Mm-hmm. And then for the seasons afterwards, she becomes kind of a Hank Hill as character, where mm-hmm. like she has all these kind of crazy friends, but then like you know, it's it the basically the writer's job is like, well, how would Liberty not be able to solve this problem? Okay, okay, I I can get behind that because I think that you know also I I love King the Hill and I love the way that the storylines are laid out in that sense, um, and I think it would be nice also to like have. Uh, like, I feel like what happens in a lot of teen media is, um, and I've talked about this before, is how we lose sight of the role of family very easily in teen media. Um, and I feel like it would be nice to see it kind of be more grounded, kind of like King the Hill, where there's a lot of, like, family dynamics that happen. And it would be nice to see her relationship dynamic with her parents, with her brother. Um, I think it would be good. Yeah. Um, other than that, I would actually like to see an Alex spinoff. Mm-hmm. Um, where Alex like basically has to take a queen bee down, who's be- like basically she has to find a way to take out like the queen bee from Mean Girls, <laughs> and like you know she's like I'm not playing their game, but she can't like reign supreme like this. Mm-hmm. And maybe at some point she calls Paige and she's like Paige, I need some backup. 
Also, while while I'm thinking about this, I would love just a spinoff of the Euchre Crew. I, I feel like in some ways, if we were to like prune the the series into like its own like kind of like or it's like its own cluster of a story, I would love to see more of that dynamic because there's there's something about that dynamic that feels very um. I don't know, just so incredibly YA, like, oh, we're a group of friends and, you know, we all have gone through some bullshit and we still come together. Like, I don't know. I love that crew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your next one for me? All right. Next one. Um, what do you think makes great teen media and do you have any recommendations? Whew. Um, I think... What makes great teen media is when less okay, less sexy <laughs> is number one. Yeah. I, I'm not here to read about sex scenes between teens. Um, I I, th- I think if huh, I, I think if For me, it's it's like you you can have outlandish situations, but your characters still need to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I think about like uh, stuff like Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, where it's just like you have these characters who are fighting a war and trying to save the entire world. But then you have an episode where they just are just fucking around, flying around on Appa and like taking a break. And like the main character is so like every character is so flawed and doesn't know what to do, but it's just trying their damnedest. I, I just think it has to it has to come down to you need to keep the characters realistic. Like that's my big problem with Riverdale is those characters don't feel like teens. They just feel like adults who are in. Po- like posing as teens we have a constant joke where it's just like wow that that teen certainly looks like they're thinking about their ira <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, like you know um and it can't be like you can't have kind of like a su- one size fits all for every every person um you know like i feel like this is ex- the same in degrassi or like this is something you see in degrassi where, you know, characters are doing things at different paces. Um, it's not just like every teen story is the same, where it's like, I'm going to get out, go out and get drunk, or I'm going to have sex. It's just like, some people are ready, some people aren't, some people want to do this thing, some people don't. You know, it can't just be like all the teens drink, because that's not how teens are. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not how people are. Um,. And just, and in general, like, you have to emphasize what it means to be a teen, which is just, like, you're discovering everything for the first time. Um, You're falling in love for the first time. You're getting your heart broken for the first time. You're realizing the world's problems, and you're realizing you can't do anything about it right now. Like, um, you know, like, I was 16, like, I'm just like, I can't vote against this president I hate. <laughs> like, because I'm not, I'm, I can see he's fucking up, but I can't do anything about it except, like, maybe go to a protest or something. 
that for like you know that for me is what kind of the crux of being a teen is is both mm-hmm. like I'm trying to figure myself out while I'm also figuring out what the world is. Those two intersections make great teen media. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff I've read recently, um, uh, The Lucky Ones by Liz Lawson. Uh, I read that in the night because um, it was just it was so fucking good. Um, it's about uh, these two people, these this girl named May, who is the sister of a. Uh, like her brother was killed in a school shooting and she is like going to a new school where she meets the male lead who is the son of the lawyer who's defending the shooter and they like have to come to terms with both their feelings and like everything else that surrounds that mm-hmm. um, I also very much enjoy a the book um the good girl's guide to murder um which i thought i had it's a it's a mystery novel um i thought i had it figured out and i did not like i was like oh you really got me but this makes total sense um that one's by holly jackson um and as for like tv and whatnot i highly recommend uh, I highly recommend I Will Tell the Last Airbender. Um, I know Susie recommends Never Have I Ever. And as for movies, I highly recommend Booksmart. Because that book, that movie is phenomenal. And I feel like really encompasses exa- everything I'm saying in one go. So, what about you? Um, yeah, I very much agree. I think showing differences of opinion is really important. I don't think that teenagers have like a you know 100% wholesale every single teen is going to feel this way type thing um I also think good teen media acknowledges that the teen experience is not identical for every single kid um I think it's something that even we when doing the podcast sometimes have to be reminded of um and I I greatly appreciate people who do remind us of this um because there are like certain events and things that are pretty consistent no matter where you go. But at the end of the day, everyone has different experiences in high school because of the school, the school culture, demographics, the um, location, the everything. Um, And I don't think that a school, um, a media has to be encompassing of every single nuance, but I think there has to be acknowledgement that yes, this is one take. Um, But also, I think that good teen media really, really, really develops the nuance of that. I love when we see weird little, like, school culture bullshit in in teen media, Um, whether it's a weird fundraising event or a, um, you know, the one teacher who, uh, I don't know, like, throws a stress ball at your head and things like that, like, seeing those weird little things, even if they're not necessarily identical to another kid's experience is still going to resonate. Um, so I love that world building. And I think that's also why I like YA so much, because I think a novel is a little easier to explore that nuance than maybe a movie. Though I will say that Booksmart, while obviously is not the experience of every single kid, you know how that school works very well. 
by the end of that movie. You know what that school culture is like. You know what the kids are like, and you know what the teachers are like very, very, very clearly after watching that movie. So it can be done in in other forms of media. I think YA it's a little easier, but I think Booksmart is a good example of, once again, a very specific type of teen experience, but a very layered one nonetheless. And I really appreciate that movie for that. Um, I... I also think that when it comes to teen media about kids who are marginalized, um, I think that it's really important to find that balance between the very real stresses, trials, and tribulations of being in that marginalized group, but also just the weird bullshit of being a teen and the weird bullshit of young love and the weird bullshit of friendships and friendships falling apart. Um, I think that at the end of the day, the best way to find this is to find pieces written by people who are from these, you know, from these groups. I think at the end of the day, if you want a good story about a trans person, to read something by a trans person. If you want to read a great example of the black experience, read it from a black author, et cetera, et cetera. Not to say that people outside of these groups can't write these characters, but um, I feel like when it comes from someone who has experienced it um i think they tend to be they can be real and they can go there and one of my recommendations it has a lot of content warnings attached to it but i think that there's still a heart to it and still look at some of the more um bullshit parts of being a teen that is really good um and i'm glad that there are a lot more ya authors coming out that do come from um the experiences that they do um, I'm glad that we're slowly beginning to see writers' rooms that have some people who um, come from the same experiences as some of the marginalized actors and in their in their stories. Um, but I think that's a big thing. Um, in terms of recommendations, honestly, um, two I keep coming back to two books that came out last year um, that I think were absolutely fantastic. Um, and I am planning on rereading because they have truly, like, uh, you know, just really left a really good impact on me. Um, one is Birthday by Meredith Russo, which is has a lot of content warnings. Um, it does depict a suicide attempt. It does depict some really, really sad, fucked up mental illness type stuff and gender dysphoria and stuff. But it's a very interesting and incredible story um, about these two friends have the same birthday um, and what their birthdays are like between certain ages um, and how much they grow and how much they change every single year. Um, I just found it to be incredibly, um, I don't know, incredibly real. Um, you can tell that this came from a deeply personal place. Um, and I really appreciate it because I think that it, once again, is an example of a very specific experience. Um, but there's so much nuance and there's so much emotion put into it. Um, and I was just absolutely consumed by it. Um, and like one, it was one of those moments where I got to the end. And I was just like, holy shit. Like it, it had that kind of experience when you got to the last page. And just in terms of like, wow, that was a fucking journey I went on. Um, and I really recommend it. I, I thought it was fantastic. Amazing. Um, I've recommended it on Palm Mag. I've recommended it all over. Um, and the other one is I Wish You All the Best by Mason Deaver. Um, I talked about it on here. I've talked about it. I wrote an article for Palm Mag about it. 
Um, it is a YA novel written about a non-binary protagonist by a non-binary author. Um, and I just really loved it because um, there are some, once again, some tough themes. Um, there's a really rough coming out experience and things like that. Um, but there's also this really wonderful little love story that happens. Um, and it was so satisfying. And what I really enjoyed about it was it really embodied, like, having a love interest that is incredibly adorable. Like, I don't usually have much of a response to love interests because I feel like sometimes, and Degrassi does this, and a lot of teen media does, it's so hard for me to actually enjoy the love interest, especially when it's a boy, because a lot of the time teenage boys are fucking garbage. And as an adult, I sit there and I watch this, this wonderful protagonist fall in love with a fucking asshole, and I'm like, this sucks. Um, but in this one, um, the love interest is not perfect, but he is so fucking cute and he's so fucking sweet. Um, and he's wonderful and you believe that they like each other and you believe that they're good for each other and you cheer for them even when they're fucking up. Um, and I thought that that was such a satisfying example of what I want teen media to be, what I want, um, any media to be really if you're making me read a love story like I want to believe in their love and this was one of the first ones that I truly was like yeah I fucking love both of them I love the protagonist I love the love interest I want them to make it work I was cheering them on um and that's an experience I don't usually get so I definitely want to recommend that as well I cannot remember my other question so why don't you hit me up another one of yours okay do you have any advice to younger listeners I'm gonna give you guys the advice that I wish I had given myself mm -hmm. when I was younger, um, which is stop worrying about, uh, that one's kind of esoteric. <laughs> stop worrying about being cool. And what I mean by that is like, go into every situation you can with zero expectations. I don't mean like, say like, this is going to be awful. Just go into a situation being like, well, let's see what happens. Like, I feel like going into something without hoping for certain things to happen and just kind of seeing how the night or the day leads you allows you to be freer and be more yourself. Um, it's something I've struggled with as an adult. Um, like, to just, you know, I'll go on a date and I'm like, I hope this works out. and But then I'm just constantly second guessing and wondering, oh, should I say this? Should I say that? But when I just go in there, I'm just like, I'm going to be fun time Frank. I just feel so much freer and looser and everything feels fine. Um, and also, like, if your friends, if you're not comfortable saying something to your friends, seek out people who you will feel comfortable saying it to. Um, as somebody who suffered a lot with mental illness in my teen years especially... I didn't feel comfortable saying I need help to them. And I didn't at the time go and find other people. I just internalized it and it became a major problem later. Um, and yeah. Um, I think those are the two big ones. I mean, like this specific stuff where if I could talk to my younger self, I'd be like, Frank, that girl said... She and she couldn't find somebody to go to the dance, and she had to ask a friend. That means ask her out, goddammit. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> but, you know, other than, those are my two big things. 
Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Um, you're not as, por- as important as you think you are. Um, and I feel like there's a nicer way of saying that, but what it comes down to is I think that I personally, and I still deal with this, is I assume someone thinks something of me or has made an assumption about me or is frowning because of me or something. And the answer is very rarely is that actually the case. Um, so I think that it's one of those things where you kind of have to start becoming more comfortable with the fact that it's not all about you. Um, and everyone is thinking about a zillion different things at one time, and it may not necessarily be anything that you do or anything that you have done. Um, and I think that learning how to let go of that impulse has really helped me tremendously. Um, my other advice is, um, try your best to articulate your needs with mental health support. Most importantly, like try to your best if it's not working. Um, I haven't talked too much about my mental health on here in super detailed stuff, but I have a type of mental illness that, for lack of better terms, would not you would not treat the same way as other folks. Um, and because of that, I went to therapy that was not a good fit for me. I was really upset. I would be deeply traumatized by it. And then I would become scared of seeking help again. Um, so I think understanding that it's not a one-size-fits-all treatment and you're not going to feel like not everyone is going to be perfect and knowing when to ask for maybe another another you know another style or something like that is really important i think seeking help is great but i think if you cannot advocate for yourself for the help that you need it can be a bit difficult um and the final one is just um and i think this generation is doing a lot better with this stuff but um you know, try to love things authentically and ardently, and there's no need to be ironic about it. I think that this was an issue that our generation really struggled with because of everything. Um, but I feel like it, it's very easy to be embarrassed by what you like. Um, and it's very easy to be like caught up in your own head about how people feel about you and the intensity of how much you love something. And I think that it's better to be 100% authentic and open about it than not, because there are probably tons of people who feel the same way you do, um, but may not feel comfortable saying it themselves. So I think being open about the things that you love and you enjoy and, and trying to um, get people aboard on it is, is always better than not. Um, relating to this, um, try to be mindful of boundaries. I. I think that there are a lot of kids who are doing great stuff online, but I also think that there are a lot of lines that get crossed. And I think that it's really important to remember to maintain um, your own space, curate your own space. And um, honestly, and this goes for adults too, like, you know, Twitter is not a good place for conflict management. Um, It's a horrible place for it. Nuance gets lost so quickly. Um, because of just the amount of characters. You're not going to be able to give a response with the level of detail that you should for certain topics um, on Twitter. And I think accepting that, loving that, embracing that is really important, and it will save you a lot of heartache. So um, those are kind of the advice, the pieces of advice I would give without sounding like a complete, like, teacher. Um, Going off what you were saying about not 
being not thinking or as important as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually, I, I think that's good advice, but I'd like to just adjust it a little bit. I don't know how to phrase it nicer, so please go on. Okay, so it's something I learned, um, it, like being awkward growing up and as an adult. I would come away from certain interactions and be like, oh my god, they probably hate me, that was awful. They're probably just as awkward and feeling the same way you are. That's true. So, like, if you come ac- like if you come off like a situation with someone, and make maybe like they just feel, felt a little standoffish, and maybe they felt a little like like they weren't you know as welcoming. They could be shy. They could be awkward too. So just you know, give people the space to be who they are and be understanding of like what people are going through. So, mm-hmm. um, my questions have completely ran out of my mind. So hit me up with your next one, Donnie. Okay. Do you believe in the concept of guilty pleasures? And if so, what are yours? Uh, if you listen to Teen Girl Talk, you'll know Lifetime movies. <laughs> um, guilty ple- uh, AMVs, mm-hmm. but, but like not. <laughs> Admittedly, I okay, both shitty and like the highly stylized ones that are just so dramatic and just so utterly, um, just like you know, uh, uh, there's a few like really good, um, there's a few really good, uh, AMV artists. Like, there's this one called the Garrow Studios, I really like. Uh, they put together a amazing tribute to Stan Lee. Um, and I think like, and their stuff is just, as I said, it's just so dramatic and I just love it. Um, it's hard because the thing is, I don't feel guilty about my pleasures. (laughs) That's why I asked in general, do you believe in the concept of guilty pleasures? Because I feel like that, like it's, it's, there's no point in asking what your guilty pleasure is if you yourself do not believe in a guilty pleasure. Um, no, yeah, I don't, I don't feel, think of them that way. I mean, okay, what I should say is there's certain things I might not share with my friends because I know I'll get made fun of the AMVs being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, there's certain things I know I will enjoy and my friends won't enjoy. Um, like the Lifetime movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just like, no, like I want to watch these bonkers movies that are full of characters that stare off into the like middle distance when they're called out on stuff and just yeah. look um and yeah you know, and this is a weird one but um kind of like rewatching sad scenes um cuz it just like I just really cuz usually in those scenes you're seeing like some of the best acting that the actor or actress has to offer so it's just like, okay, so wow, like, they're just giving it their all. Mm-hmm. You know? So those kind of things. Um, so yeah. Oh, you know what? The Circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, Donnie and I have been watching The Circle, um, and it's, I know it's like, you know, it's trash. It's not trash TV, but no, it's like. it's not. It's it's reality TV, so like all reality TV feels like I should be watching something more important. But mm-hmm. I just love the circle because it's just so fucking positive, 
and the characters are just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about you? Um, I define a guilty pleasure as if someone walked in on me watching it, would I feel embarrassed? Um, or reading it or whatever. Um, and most things that I like, I don't consider guilty pleasures. Like, if you walked in on me, like playing Fire Emblem, I wouldn't be embarrassed. I mean, I've also, like, met people literally the day of at a con and then, like, was having hot pot with them and yelling about how much I like to do. That is not a guilty pleasure to me. Um, Writing fanfic is not a guilty pleasure to me. Um, What is a guilty pleasure to me is um, my love of Bravo reality TV, which I've talked a bit on this show about, but um, especially in quarantine, I'm living alone and I only have my cats and my cats do not talk. Um, so I usually have noise on in the background, and the best noise I have found to be is Bravo. Um, since the quarantine, I have completed Top Chef. Um, I finally finished my rewatch of Real Housewives of New York City. Um, I have already rewatched Vanderpump Rules pretty soon, pretty recently, so I have not gotten to a level where I was rewatching Vanderpump Rules yet. Um, and I am in the process of, of watching Beverly Hills, uh, and I don't know, it's bullshit, it's nothing, it's not deep, it is annoyingly, like, you know, like, why am I watching the upper crust? Like, but also at the same time, there's something very cathartic about watching people who have way more money than you still not be able to get their shit together. Um, there is something just very satisfying about that. Um, and so I enjoy watching those shows quite a bit. Um... They are, once again, if someone walked in on me watching it, I'd be a bit embarrassed, but um, I still enjoy them and their noise, and I appreciate having a Hulu account that I can watch all of them so easily. Um, so that's as good as it's going to get sometimes. Um, well, the, th- the thing is, like, I've, my sister has been pointing this out, that, like, she doesn't want to watch anything that she has to, like, like too heavy right now, because everything's, like, Everything's rough right now. Right. Um, so she's been watching a lot of the Air Bud movies. Ooh, that's good. That's some good quarantine TV. Um, if, if you're looking for our thoughts on them, look up the Teen Girl Talk episode, The Dark Truths of the Air Bud Universe, where we break Ooh. down, like, where cats, humans, and dogs like exist on the social hierarchy. I love that. Um... But yeah, no, like, I like I like right like I when I like logged onto Netflix like during the first day of the quarantine, they're just like, "Do you want to watch Contagion or Outbreak?" I'm like, fuck no, I don't. I'm living that. <laughs> so like, I'm I'm want to get into Shira like because I don't want to have to worry too much. I I don't want to watch something that I think is going to suddenly give me anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, like, watching Game Grumps or watching, like, AMVs doesn't give me that anxiety, so. Yeah, also, I do, I do love it, I do also love an AMV, but I have a very specific circumstance that I can watch them, um, which is at a con with friends, um, because otherwise I get the worst secondhand embarrassment, and I can't even explain why, because I don't think there's any reason to be. But for whatever reason, I get so stressed out, like, watching them in the comfort of my home. But in a con setting, I'm like, hell yeah, hell yeah. It's like I become, like, I just start, like, fucking hooting and hollering. Like, one of my most fondest con memories was uh, Anime Boston two years ago. Um, my my uh, friend of the show, Joey, um, another friend, and I rolled into 
AMV musicals. And then we watched, we walked in and it was like a fucking, oh my God. Uh, I want, well, I know for a fact there was a Full Metal Alchemist Hamilton combination. Um, and there was a, oh God, it was Gravitation and One Song Glory from Rent. And I screamed, like straight up screamed when we walked in on it. Gotcha. Yep. Um, all right, what's your next one? Mm. Uh, this one is just a purely frank question, um, which is, what would be the bill of your dreams for a concert? I, I feel like you could answer this one. Yeah, but no, this was definitely like a deeply, I'm thinking about Frank question. <sighs> okay. Fuck. This is hard, because, like, I know there's, like, only, like, two openers in the main the main band. Mm-hmm. See, like, I once had a conversation with my sister on, like, if you could see one band that doesn't tour anymore, who would you want it to be? And at my fir- my knee-jerk reaction was, like, the Smiths. But Morrissey would probably, like, somebody would, like, flick some dandruff at him. He'd be like, show's over, I'm leaving after, like, ten minutes. Um... Fuck. Oh, this is hard. Because I'm I'm also tempted to just name bands I couldn't see. Like when I tried to get Bikini Kill tickets. Mm-hmm. And the Bikini Kill tickets like were bought on, under a minute by bots and assholes. Yeah. Okay. Can it be one I've actually already seen that like? Oh was... yeah, no. This is this is like uh, the the dream piece of it is the combination of musicians, not like oh I've never seen this. Okay, you know what? No. Um. I, okay, so the original lineup was Tilly and the Wall. Um. Mm-hmm. Do you know Do you know anything about that band? Uh. Yes, I do. Okay, so for those for, I, for those who don't know, um, I was like, let me check real quick, make sure I'm not mansplaining, but now I'm just going to mansplain anyway. Um, for those who don't know, Tilling the Walls thing is that instead of having a drummer for their percussion, they have a tap dancer. Um, and their songs are all super fun and dancey. Um, uh, then The Faint performed. And then they were the backing band for Bright Eyes, so they just kind of took over and just played, you know, because this was when Digital Ash and the Digital Urn came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was the same night they played through both albums. They also played um, through I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning. Um, so that was a super long show. I think I didn't get home until like 3 o'clock that morning. Um, and that was actually the, the morning I found the wallet on the train. Um, have I ever told you that story? Um, I don't think I got the full story of it. So it was like my senior year in high school. Um, and I was coming back from that show. Oh, just to quickly finish out my dream lineup. Mm-hmm. It would be Tilling the Wall, The Faint, and Replace Bright Eyes. 
with the White Stripes. Because the White Stripes could put on a fucking show. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw the White Stripes, like, five or six times. They never, like, didn't put down, like, a pint of blood on that stage. Like, Jack White's a madman, and I love him. Um, so I was on my, I went to, it was at Jersey City, and I was, um, I sat down on the train. I didn't notice it as I was sitting down, but I found a wallet next to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I picked it up and I started going through it because I was trying to find some, you know, uh, information. And I did find a driver's license and other stuff. Um, and if I hadn't, I would have just taken the money because uh, there's $460 in it in cash. Um, and I, I thought to myself, like, oh, my God, like, because we were going to Disney for our senior year trip. And my parents made a deal with me that they were like, we'll pay for half as your graduation and birthday present. We'll pay for half your trip. So I still need to put together $640 for myself. But I was working, so it was fine. And I was just like, this is most of the money for my trip. But obviously, there was a license in there, and mm-hmm. I couldn't take the money. No. Because um, it was an Indiana license. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like this person. This is person, this person's like traveling money. Like this sucks. That definitely is. So at first I thought I'm gonna give this to the conductor, and then I'm like, no. If I give it to the conductor, they might take the money. And I kept the kept the wallet to myself. And I was like, so I know I'm not gonna take the money. Mm-hmm. And I got home and I woke up my dad and my dad and I like called every number in the in the wallet because there were a few numbers for some reason. Oh, there were just like strips of paper and like some business cards. Mm-hmm. We finally got a hold of the girl's dad. Um, she was like in her twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we finally got a hold of the girl's dad and we explained what's going on. He got in touch with her and told her to like come to our house the next day and pick up the wallet. And um, my dad's like, you know what, son, you did right today. I know our deal is you have to go to school after going to these shows. Take the day off to, for yourself. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, because this was like five in the morning where I'm like, I have to go to school in an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, she showed up the next day. She picked up the wallet. She gave me a hug, um, which is very exciting for an 18-year-old Frank being hugged oh, by, an old, <laughs> by an older lady. Um and then uh, I thought that was the end of it, but then she sent me a $50 Amazon gift card. Oh, uh, that's really nice. Yeah, but it, it was like one of my shining moments I felt during my high school career. Aw, nice. So. All right, uh, do you want to try and answer this, or do you have another question? Um, I could try to answer this. Um, I think mine would just be a two- to ban Bill. Um, there's like some, I feel like I, I'm going with this format for cohesion because um, I have like, I have like two, like my, there's like, I feel like my taste in music kind of has diverged into like a couple, like three different places. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of music that I listened to in high school recently. So this is on my mind. Um, and I feel like my dream show would just be AFI and The Cure. Um, because I love them both, and um, AFI always puts on a great show. I literally see them perform anytime that they're touring. 
Um, and The Cure, I've never been able to see, but I really love them. Um, they're one of my favorite bands, and I think to a certain extent they're one of my favorite bands because they deeply influence so many of my other favorite bands and musicians. Um, and I would love to see them in action. Um, and, like, I know they have, like, done some music festivals and things, and, like, I remember they did one, like, where in which self-titled came out, and I was, like, too young. Because you know, it was, like, on, like, gov- like Governor's Island or whatever, and, like, my parents were not t- letting me go there. Um, like, I was, like, 14 or whatever. That was not happening. But um, I would love to be able to see those two. Um, I remember being a kid, and I was, like, obsessed with AFI's cover of Just Like Heaven and things. I just feel like it would be so great to see both of them back-to-back. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, got another question? No, I'm done with my questions. All right, I'm done as well. Um, all right, so that was the interview episode. <laughs> yeah, that was the interview episode. Um, I mean, I had a lot of fun. Um, I, I guess just... Did. Oh, yeah, go. No, I said I also did. Yeah, um, I guess just to reiterate, thank you so much, everybody who has been listening um, to this. I think that... It is still surreal to me that people like listening to us, like as people, as as individuals. Um, it means a lot in a way that I don't think I could ever truly articulate. Um, I know that the past year has been a bit tough on our end, and because of that, like, you know, we we've had to change up some layout things, we format things, and the fact that everyone has kind of stuck with us during it has meant so much. Um, and I really just wanted to, to just reiterate that. Um, Frank, do you have any other closing thoughts? Um, I'm just happy you're still making it through with us and hope you'll keep coming along on this ride (laughs) that I'm on and Johnny's on. Yeah. Um, so I guess like to just close it out, I mean, if you want to, um, support the show you can always email us at ihopepod at gmail.com um you can follow our twitter account at ihopepod you can join our facebook group but i hope i can make it through podcast um thank you very much everyone who sent us questions um they made us think i made some cursed statements um and i don't know what to do but oh well um y'all made me um if you want to support the show you can always donate to our coffee account um, and also just leaving ratings and reviews. Um, thank you very much, everyone who has taken the time to do so. And um, if you haven't yet, no pressure, but it does help. Um, but that's pretty much it. We'll go back to our usual schedule next week. Um, we are wrapping up season five, and then we'll do our wrap-up se- on about the season. And then we'll do our Kids in Peril episode, and then we'll jump into season six. Um, If you're interested in co-hosting with us, just let us know. Send us an email, tweet, whatever. Um, We're definitely receptive toward it, but because of the way that the world has been kind of working, we've been kind of fast and loose with our recording schedule. So feel free to reach out. If you're like, hey, there's an episode I really want to be on, just be specific and tell us because we would love to have you on. Um, Other than that, um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can always follow me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable. Um... You know, there's a lot of cat pics right now because of uh, I am home all the time, which is pretty exciting. I, I uh, Yesterday I was on voice chat and Dahlia lifted up a cup and threw it across the coffee table. Um, so that was an adventure. 
Um, so if you want to see those two cuties, you can always always tune in there. Um, and then, of course, like I'll talk about like my fanfic and fandom stuff and all that type of good things. Um, by now, I think rest day will be done done with. But um, let me know if you are interested in um, learning anything about it. Um, Cherished is the big one that I'm working on the Demi Do Zine. Um, you can check it out on at Cherished Zine on Twitter. Um, we're having our second check in this week so we'll see some really cool stuff and probably be very excited about it um and that's pretty much it for me right now um on teen girl talk we're still making our way through uh high school musical month um this week we're gonna be getting through the money episode of high school musical senior year um we haven't recorded that episode yet but expect a lot of me rant, Susie and I ranting about Disney's response to Vanessa Hudgens' photos getting leaked. Oh, God, I forgot about that happening. We're going to be yelling. <laughs> Jesus, I entirely forgot about that discourse. Yeah. It's and infuriating. I discourse, because in so many ways, it, it, it just was. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, that's really it for me right now. Awesome. So that being said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. Later. Bye. Go. Now he's working hard in Ohio.